0: Good evening, beautiful people, and welcome to our Linton live service. My name is David Bonds, and I'm a worship leader here at Orchard Hill Church with a focus in the Strip District. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to share the word of God with you today. If you would, please pray with me before we jump into the word of God. God, we thank you. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to engage with your word and your people God, I pray that you would speak clearly today. God, if there's anything that I have prepared that you do not want me to say, Father, remove it, and if there's anything that I have not prepared, please prepare, please put, put it on my heart to do, and may I submit to your will. Outside of that, Father, I pray that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, Amen. I am reminded of a time uh, as a very young, young man where uh, when I was thinking about today's message where uh, I was incredibly shy. And, and I tell people this, and most people don't believe me because of what I do. I got to be up in front of people talking and singing. And, 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 and I taught myself to smile because that's to keep me from seeing other nervous faces when I'm up in front of people. But as a young man, I was incredibly nervous and shy and quiet. I, the last thing I wanted to do was draw attention to myself. But I remember going into the sixth grade year as a young, young man, and I can remember walking to one of my first classes, and there was a young man sitting in the, in the desk next to me, and he was trying in his best effort to get the attention and the affections of a young lady across the room from us. And so he is shooting his shot to the best of his ability, and it is not going well for him. And so he decides, I guess, in a last ditch effort to throw me in the fray. And so he looks at me and me trying to hide and disguise myself to the best of my ability. He decides uh, a comparison will work. So he says, out of me or him, who do you think looks better? He yells this to the girl across the classroom. Whole room goes quiet. Everyone's waiting for her response to my extreme terror. Her response was one word. I didn't know one word could hurt so much. <laughs> it was simply, ill. That's, that's all she said. I was like, oh, I never knew. I wasn't even trying to get this young lady's affection, but I did not know you could be so hurt by an inadvertent bullet <laughs> that you did not see coming. One thing I can say about this experience, and I can tell from my own experience as I have clearly expressed to you guys, is rejection hurts even if you weren't trying to be accepted by the ones who rejected you. And I believe that pain can be increased when we're actually trying to be accepted or invited. We see this when trying out for teams or clubs or even in college when different ones of us are trying to be a part of fraternities or sororities. The things that people are willing to go through just to be accepted says something about the impact of rejection. Dr. C. Nathan DeWall, a psychologist at the University of Kentucky, states in an article posted by the American Psychological Association that humans have a fundamental need to belong. And just as we have needs for food and water, we also have needs for positive and lasting relationships. Now, I don't know the faith background of Dr. DeWall. However, we can see the statement somewhat affirmed in Scripture. In the book of Genesis, it begins with God creating everything. And at the end of each day, God saw what he did and acknowledged that it was good. The only time we see in this process of creation that God say something was not good was when he says in Genesis 2, verses 18, that it is not good for man to be alone, so I will make a helper suitable for him. If the one who created us knew it was not good for us to be alone, then I believe it can be assumed that there are some negative effects on humanity when it comes to or is dealing with rejection. I say this because I believe there are very few things that make us feel more alone than being rejected. Now, this can be on different levels. It can be on levels from not being picked in the schoolyard to play the game with everyone to someone walking away from a marriage. Or even those of us who have yet to experience marriage and are walking in singleness in the later years of our lives. Some rejection is direct and others indirect. Some rejection is inflicted on us by others and others are self-inflicted. And what I mean by self-inflicted is sometimes we can assume we're being rejected when really we just misread a situation. This is something that I've experienced even in my marriage where I set in my mind to go spend some time with my wife and she set in her mind to go take care of some needs for the house or to take care of some needs for the children. And so when I go to sit down next to her, she gets up and walks away. And in my mind, I can register that as rejection really quick. And I don't do super well with rejection And so my response to it will be to shut down or to not always respond to the best. If I'm not really thinking that my heart is not really set on the Lord, it's very easy for me to be very set in my own ways, like, oh, she don't want to spend time with me. And I can really take on the injury from that. And it was totally inadvertent. She had no intention of rejecting me, but her heart and her mind was set on executing some needs for the house or for the family. And the beauty of that is communication could have fixed the whole thing. No matter how we look at it, the impact of being rejected is almost always negative. Rejection is something that I believe most of us, if not all of us, have experienced in one way or another, and more times than not, we choose to keep ourselves away from those situations. However, we see something different in Jesus. Jesus stayed and dealt with the rejection in more ways than we realized, and he did it all in our place. Let's take a look at our message text for the day. Now, this message text is a little long, so uh, bear with me. But I think it's good for us to get the whole picture of the experience of Jesus in this context. Matthew 27, verses 11 through 26 says, Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony that they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. And at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Reading through this passage, it is an incredible reminder of what Jesus walked through for us. This seems to be quite the process from Jesus being betrayed prior to this passage by Judas to the embarrassing experience of having people choose a well-known criminal over the son of God who had been working miracles and whose impact had been heard of all over the region. So I'm sure the people in the room knew who they were rejecting was at the very least not a criminal based on his exploits. And even if they did not believe him to be the son of God, he clearly did not deserve this. Having to stand and be judged by a governor who, who knows that Jesus is being falsely accused and, was, and this was only due to the fact that the, it was the, only due to the self-interest of the Sanhedrin, Pilate realized during this trial, because of the false accusations against him, that did not agree. And we see this affirmed in scripture in Mark 14, verses 55 through 56, where it says the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin, that is the chief priests and the elders, or the religious leaders of the day, were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Pilate knew the true intentions of the Sanhedrin, yet... He could not sway the people. Jesus was rejected, and they chose the murderer and decided to crucify the one who came during his time here. Once his ministry began, he healed and he set free. He he brought people back to life. He forgave. He extended mercy. He was the perfect expression of love and yet still rejected. This passage of Scripture is, is very interesting to me because many times I've read through it and I've almost often read through it as a precursor to the main event, as if this wasn't part of the story or the part of what Jesus went through for us, as if only the thing, only thing Jesus went through was on the cross. But it's, this allowed me to really kind of sit in the experience, the through, And even before he got to this moment, Jesus took a moment to engage God and ask him to remove this cup. And we'll get into that a little further on in the message. But another interesting note that was shared in, in the article that I spoke of earlier the, um, the American Psychological Association, that's a lot of words and syllables, I'm, I get it together. The American Psych- Psychological Association, uh, they did a test, and when they were studying the brainwaves of people and the experience of social rejection, what they realized is that the brainwaves often responded similar as they do to a physical injury. So similarly, if you broke your arm, it could be the same as a broken heart and the response of the brain and the impact of how that affects our brains. And, and, and even, they even tried on the backside of that experience to, to test people by rewarding them on the backside to see if it would have less of an effect, but it still had the same impact on them nonetheless. And then they decided to try a test of putting people, having people that they knew these people would not even desire to be a part of reject them. And even still, the brain still responded the same way injured in response to rejection even from a people that you would have never wanted to be a part of. Jesus went through this experience, that rejection. I think sometimes we often forget when we talk about Jesus is that he was fully God and fully man. And so he experienced all the things we experienced and would experience in those times. So that rejection wasn't a light thing. He experienced the impact of being rejected like that in front of the people that he had done so much for. Jesus was rejected by a sinful people, by a broken people. We could even consider it by us, by us sinful people. No, we didn't. We, didn't, uh, we weren't in the crowd yelling, crucify him, and, and we weren't there when they were yelling false accusations against Jesus. But every time in the moments of my life when I walk away from who God has called me to be to satisfy the desires of my own flesh, or my own pride, I have chosen to step away from Jesus. I've chosen to reject Jesus, not to walk away from my faith, but I create space because of the sin in my own life. But I am still reminded, even in my own failure, of God's love for us through Jesus that extends grace to us because Jesus came as fully God and fully man and lived through all the temptations and trials that we go through without falling to sin. Hebrews 4, 15 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Still, he suffered for each of us and bore the weight of our sins so that we can have access to the Father. And because of this, I can say with all clarity, Jesus was rejected that we might be accepted. You know, Jesus came to a point when he realized this moment was about to happen. And when I see this in Scripture, it reminds me of the fully human part of Jesus. And it was in the Garden of Gethsemane where he went to the Father, God, multiple times and asked him to remove the cup from him. I'm going to say it in a way that I say, God, I don't want to do this. But if this is your will, then I submit myself to it. But let's not take my word. Let's look at what it says in Scripture, Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39, and then 42 through 44. It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 42 goes on to say, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. He's talking about the disciples who had went with him. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. I can resonate with the human nature of a large moment coming and how the incredible increase of fear, unsurety of what I don't want to walk through In a very, very, very tiny way, right before I got on this stage, this always happens right before I get up in front of you guys, an incredible amount of fear hits me, an incredible amount of I don't want to do this happens, and it is not at all the same as what Jesus, I can only imagine because he knew exactly what he was about to walk through, and yet and still, he chose to do this for us, to submit to the will of the Father for us. You see, Jesus knew what was to come and did not want to go through the horrible pain in every way in which we can experience it. He was about to walk through the most horrible physical, emotional, and spiritual experience. And- In this experience, it was not only just a rejection from man on the earth, he was also rejected from, withdrawn from, separated from God the Father for a time, even in heaven also. And this is why we see Jesus on the cross of Calvary say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or in Aramaic, it is Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani. Please forgive me because I can't speak Aramaic, so it may not sound that great. But we find that in Mark 27, 46. I'm sorry. We find it in Matthew 27, 46 and in Mark 15, 34. And that word sabachthani means you have left me. And when someone walks away from you, if you've been in a marriage and someone chooses to walk away from a marriage, you feel rejected. You feel left. You feel alone. I don't know that we can even fully fathom what that experience for Jesus was like. I would go as far as to venture to say that was probably the most torturous part of the experience. After being totally one for all of eternity in perfect unity until this moment, and then to have to have been separated for a time. I can't even imagine what that torture had to be like for Jesus. That word sabachthani, in, in this description of the word, or in the definition of the word, it said it's a cry of distress, You see, it was in this moment where the entirety of sin was fully upon Jesus and our debt that we owe was about to be paid. The word of God tells us without sin there, without, excuse me, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That is in Hebrews 9.22. So for sin to be forgiven ultimately and for us to no longer have to bring a blood sacrifice every time we wanted to approach God, Jesus bore our sin and gave his life. And because of this, God the Father withdrew from Jesus for a time that the ultimate debt might be paid. You see, if you really think about it, it wasn't God turning away from Jesus in as much as it was God turning away from us and our sin. Because it was our sin at that moment that Jesus was bearing as the sacrificial lamb in our place. Jesus was rejected that we might be accepted. That statement is so much larger than just a cool rhyming phrase. It is an eternal truth and one that we fully recognize if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, as a human who does not do well with rejection of a far lower scale, has to now consider what it meant for Jesus to be rejected that I might be accepted I don't believe any of us desire rejection. Yet Jesus walked knowingly into it for us. That we would have the opportunity to escape the greatest rejection there is. And that is to stand before the Lord in the final judgment. And to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. In my eyes, there is no greater rejection But to know that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ who is experienced, excuse me, who has experienced that rejection or separation, not only from man, but from God the Father on our behalf, that we might receive the gift of a relationship with the Father through Christ. In my mind, there is no greater acceptance. We were, excuse me, he was accused because we were guilty. He was rejected because we deserved rejection and still deserve rejection from the Father. But because of what he has done on our behalf, because of Jesus taking our place, paying the cost that we owed, we now have the opportunity through Jesus Christ, to have access to the Father and eternal life. And he did all of that in our place. I would encourage us today, as we leave this place, to be reminded of the gift of what Jesus walked through for us. For me, thinking about this rejection experience and knowing how horrible I deal with it, I really had to consider the impact on Jesus, how he dealt with, how the people chose a well-known murderer. Pilate tried, Pilate tried to get him off. He picked someone that he knew everyone would know was horrible. Yet, they still chose Barabbas over Jesus. I can only imagine what that experience felt like. But Jesus did it. And that reminds us of the love that God has for us and that he showed to us through his son. And if we have a relationship with Christ, we are called to be those kinds of people. The people who extends that love, that same grace and mercy that was extended, that was given for us to affirm, to shine, to continue to extend the light and love of Christ. Today, I encourage us all to be reminded of what Jesus went through for us, that we might live for him in this day because he did all he did in our place. Be encouraged and know the love that Jesus extends. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for all that you have done. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray that the seed of your word would be deeply implanted in the hearts of those who have heard. That they would be encouraged. That it would bear fruit in their lives. And that you would be glorified by it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great night.